Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than Stand Up. I'm Brent Lamott. Joining me on the second part of their journey are Ronnie Chan, co-host of this podcast and uh, scrum coach out of our SAP San Francisco office. Hey, Ronnie, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Doing all right. And also joining us, friend of the pod, Shell Kim Crotty, uh, out of our SAP Vienna, Virginia office. Hey, Shell Kim. Hello. All right, so we're getting into it. It's the second part of the Your Journey series. Shelkim, the question at hand is, what would now you tell then you about this whole path? What would you do differently? What would you change? Is there anything you could change? So when I started this journey, and as, as mentioned before, Kenny Rubin is the one that trained us. So I was definitely an eager, eager beaver with my new knowledge, with his book in hand, ready to go and say, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. This, this, and this. Um, what I would say now is slow down. Um, let's read up some more. Let's see what others in the industry is doing. Let's understand what really is involved in an agile mm. transformation. Sure. Um, there's more than just the, this is what you do, right? There's the whole mindset. Ronnie mentioned that at our last episode. Um, this is a framework, this is a guidance. This doesn't fit every single team. And so um, go out and understand maybe joins could go to some meetups or something, but really understand what it means to bring an organization or help an organization and teams go through an agile transformation. Um, you know, learn that you have to be adaptable. Everyone is different. Teams are different. There's personalities um, that are different, the dynamics. And also, uh, I think one of the things that we did not do when we started this journey was as an organization, sit down and say, what does this really mean, right? We were told you have to go agile. So we just right. assumed it was Scrum. And so it's like, oh, this is Scrum, okay. So, and in addition within our own organization, each of us 25-ish managers who were, who were trained, we didn't then, create a communities of practice right we then just went off on our own each individually and did it ourselves without really having that group to compare and say you know what are you learning how are you doing this um so there's more to a journey than just going and getting a certification saying you can do it there's sure. a lot more um involved so this is a perfect place for us to throw in the plug for the previous iterations where we're talking about communities of practice. Go back and listen if you haven't. If you haven't listened in a while, go back and listen to that one again because I think there's some really relevant content in there. The next thing we wanted to cover is what did you have to learn or unlearn? Shell Kim, we'll start with you. I The big thing I had to learn is, I know a lot of people may not see this in me, but I pretty A-type personality. I'm a quiet one, but I'm an A-type personality. So one of the things I had to really learn is with Agile, it, 
no, you can't always get your way, right? No. And it is not always perfect. And it is not always, this is how you're going to do it. So I myself had to really learn what it means to be a scrum master and agile in that you're there to help the team inspect and adapt and is what collectively the team feels how they want to do things, not you. You right. may have your own opinion. You can ask questions in a way that, you know, but at the end of the day, you're there to help the team. And Don't you think that comes from the approach and why you're there? If you come in there as a functional manager who's also a scrum master or a, a, a team manager who's a scrum master, your focus is different. And we, we've talked in the past about making sure that you're wearing the right hat when you're having the conversation. I am now wearing the scrum master hat. This is how I'm talking to the team. I am now the functional manager. This is how I'm talking to the team. And I think for people who do dual role, that is the hardest thing that they have to do. Yeah, and that's exactly part of where I finally came to the conclusion is in order for this to work, I am going to have to learn to separate myself. And I had to help the team realize, and I started saying exactly what you said, Brent. Right now, I am wearing the scrum master hat. Right. Okay, I'm going to take my scrum master hat. And as a dev manager, this is what I, you know. And so it took the, it took the team a while to kind of get that and believe me that I actually was going to try that. Uh, because in the beginning, if I, by not doing that in my 360s, I was, I was getting the feedback of, she needs to make more decisions. She's the manager. She <laughs> needs to tell us, you know, what we should be doing. Um, and so, again, I mentioned earlier, my director at the time was the one that really helped me through and understand what the Scrum Master role is. So we sat down, we talked, and I'm like, you know, at the time, I'm like, I don't understand why I'm getting this feedback. As a scrum master, I'm not supposed to tell them what to do. And that's when I'm like, oh, I guess I need to really say, I'm a scrum master, scrum master. right now. So therefore, <clears throat> yep. so that was a big um, lesson that I learned through my own journey in Agile and becoming a scrum master is, is to become that servant leader. Yep. Be that, you know, and, and, and really what that means. Yep. Right on. Ronnie, what'd you have to learn or unlearn? All right. Um, so this might sound off track, but bear with me. Okay. Um, one of the uh, iterations of my past experience or life is that I was involved in a startup. Mm -hmm. um, so this was a very small group, right? The whole company was probably 11, 12 people, a dozen people. And um, there were like so four software engineers. Um, and uh, we were creating a new product, right? We're introducing a new product. Um, so this, this environment, we didn't have a project plan. We didn't have a process. Uh, we knew what the product needed to be, or we had some ideas what the product needed to be. Um, and so we basically you know, created the software that met the needs, um, but, the, the environment was such that these four guys, uh, one, one woman, um, four people, <laughs> basically sat in the same room every day. We talked all the time. 
Yeah. Um, basically, we were like coding together constantly. Sure. And then um, we're basically a lot of interaction. And what we're doing was on a daily, hourly basis, we're creating something that's working constantly. And we're going to say, hey, look, this is what I did. This worked. Uh, let's show it to the marketing guys. Let's uh, get some uh, feedback, uh, collaboration with those guys. We didn't have outside customers. Uh, so we had all these internal customers, marketing guys, applications guys, sales guys. Um, and then, you know, with their feedback, we um, constantly changed things. Now, this is before Scrum. This is before Agile, right? Sure. Now, what does this sound like? So what I learned was, oh, wait a minute, this was probably the most fun I had in my career. Right. And we were constantly producing and we were very, very happy. We worked a long time. <laughs> right. Long hours. But we were very happy. And then now... When I look back at that, after I've learned the basics of Scrum, I go, wait a minute, this kind of sounds like the values <laughs> that they talk about. Right. So I said, wait, I think we were doing this before Scrum ever existed. Um, it was kind of natural osmosis as a startup, right? To, yep. to do it in this mode. And I can see why a lot of the startups succeed or well, a lot of them fail, but some do succeed. Yeah. Um, and we actually did succeed. Uh, but um, I, what I learned was that, okay, that environment, that setup worked, right? Um, you know, so um, that was a revelation for me <laughs> after right I learned that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then let's, let's talk about resistance, right? So what's the, what's the biggest resistance you ran into in your career and how'd you overcome it? this continues to be the case um people think okay a, a lot of people are doing agile now um in fact the majority of software developments done a so-called agile see i like to say they're doing scrum they think uh, they're they're being agile but they're doing scrum but okay but, okay i digress but my point is um the perception is that the agile saves everything agile fixes oh yeah um, that's the biggest misconception there is. And there's a, a ton of resistance uh, coming from stakeholders saying, okay, we're going to go agile from, and it's going to solve our problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the biggest misconception to overcome because that's not the case, right? It doesn't, right. people don't understand if, if that's the mind, if that's the, uh, the way they're thinking, you're going to fail. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, and by this time, a lot of organizations, a lot of people have experienced failure in Scrum, right? Because of that. Yeah. Um, and once you've gone through that and said, oh, well, that was a bust, uh, turning those folks around is very, very difficult. I think that's a great, a great observation about resistance is that it comes from people who come from failed implementations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Every time the one you're, you're having to deal with is the one who had a bet. Either it was a bad execution. It was uh, just it failed all the way around because everybody was like, this is going to fix everything. It's like it's the reason why we say go listen to the our yeah. myth series. Right. Well, About all the human, myths of agile. It's human nature. Right. If it Completely. hurt before, it's going to hurt again. <laughs> uh, why do you want to do that again? Uh, right. Right. You know, so. Uh, that's very difficult to overcome. Um, people who failed before. Yep. Shelkim, 
greatest resistance. Yeah, definitely agree with with what Ronnie said. I mine's gonna is a little on the other side. Okay. Where I've had folks that felt like Scrum has been very successful for them, and when you dig and look underneath the covers, it's it's those that have the project management experience who are in their hearts project managers. And they are really using the Scrum framework as another tool where they are very strict about looking at that burn down, Mm. looking at your velocity, coming up with these really complicated spreadsheets to figure out the capacity and the, you know what the I have one of those <laughs> and so to them they're like look at us look yeah. at our velocity we complete everything that we committed to and and then some every single sprint so it's those folks that are hard to convince that um, the scrum isn't just a tool yes it's the mindset it's self-empowering right that's the that's the biggest resistance and hardest i think to help because you've got those folks that are like oh yeah we got this i we're doing agile we're doing scrum we're successful right. look at this but at the end of the day are you adding value are you adding value to your customer hey right yes Right. Is is the team happy? Does the team feel like they're soft and you know organized? Yep. So that's the biggest resistance that um, I think I've had to to work through. That's awesome, and it's a perfect place for us to end. Ronnie Shelkin, thank you as always for being on. And that's the end of this iteration. I'm Brent. I'm Ronnie Shelkin. Until the next iteration, you can give us a five-star rating at your favorite podcast provider. You can reach out to us on mail at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening, and that was Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.